Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salaman ala ibadihi alladhina istafa amma ba'd. Fa'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Aba man kana amma man kana maytan fa ahyaynahu wa ja'alna lahu nuran yamshi bihi fin nas. Subhanallahi rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salaman ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa mubarak wa Alhamdulillah last year we finished after two years uh, one series of talks by Hazrat known as Zubdat al-Suluk where he talked about the different lataif in our salsala and the different teachings of our mashayikh. Last year in the Khususi Majalis Hazrat Sahib gave a series of talks on the Maktubati Rabbaniya and the Maktubati Masumiya Rimullah Ta'ala Ajma'in Alhamdulillah Shaykh Mustafa Kamal Sahib uh, compiled them, those recordings in Urdu and it was just printed two, three days before we came for Itikaf, alhamdulillah. So like last year, we went through it in quite fast in the translation. So this year we're going to go through it slower and inshallah, hopefully either this year or between this year and next year we will finish this book. First thing Hazri writes in the preface is that, first thing I would say that what Hazri said yesterday it's very important to keep in mind that the sawf is not akli, it's not kalbi. The sawf is not a discourse that can be taught through a book or a text or a teacher, but rather the sawf is a path that a person treads and a person lives and a person experiences. But as Hadhrati mentioned last night, which was his intention in all of these gatherings, is that since there's a gathering of salakin, and many of them need to be acquainted with the teachings of our mashaykh and the teachings of our tariqah, Therefore, Hazrat teaches these gatherings to us on these special nights in the last ten days of Ittikaf. Then, Hazrat has written a new introduction to this, which has a few interesting points, so I will just mention them to you. Hazrat writes that the Mashaykh of our Sulsula, Alhamdulillah, had a regular habit and practice of doing dars or regularly teaching the Maktubat of Imam Rabbani Rimullahu Ta'ala. So much so that Hazrat writes that in 1976, when he was a young Salik, means at that time Hazrati would have been 23 years old, he met an old Sheikh who was fluent in Persian from Naqshimadli Mujaddadi Silsala, who told him that for the past 35 years, every morning he's, that Sheikh was giving Dars of Maktubat al-Rabbani in his Khanka, and he was busy writing a Shara, or means a commentary, in Persian on the Maktubat of Imam al-Rabbani. Then Hazrati writes in his preface that a Salik the seeker on this path and the seeker of the pleasure of Allah SWT and the traveler on this path is saved by going astray on the path by reading the Maktubat, the Masumiya and Maktubat Rabbaniya because Imam Rabbaniya has made it clear what exactly the path of the Mashaikh and the Kshaban are. Lastly, then Hazrat said that it is beneficial for Salikin if they are instructed by the Shaykh and under his guidance to read the Maktubat, the Masumiya and Rabbaniya and then consult the shaykh about the matters therein. But clearly then, we don't even need to read it on our own, given that Hazrati is, mashallah, taught so much. This is enough material for us to cover in a couple of long time, <laughs> inshallah. Alright, now we begin the dars from last year. First thing Hazrati mentioned last year, the first night's talk, was on, first had an introduction. That purpose of that introduction was as follows. So Hazrati said that in Quran Kareem, Allah SWT has used something known as Seegatul Amr. Amr means the imperative form, the command form. 
So that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this imperative form, then that means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do something. Now technically, technically according to the ulama of usul, al-amru lil-wujub, that the default position of the imperative command in Arabic is for wujub, is to make something obligatory. But yes, there are places in the Qur'anic realm where Allah Ta'ala uses amr al-istihbab for something being recommended. But nonetheless, the way Hazrati was approaching this, that even if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning something, not obligatory, but recommended, the fact that Allah Ta'ala chooses to recommend it, number one, in Qur'an, and number two, use sighay amr to recommend it in Qur'an, means it is something that is extremely highly recommended, very strongly recommended by Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala Himself. So it would befit a person who is a salik, a sufi, who is on the path of tasawuf and suluk, that whatever their Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala, our Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala recommends to us in Qur'an, we should not take such a recommendation lightly, just because strictly speaking, it is not an obligation or a duty. And then Hazrat specifically had in mind three or four ayat, two or three ayat from Quran Karim, where Allah SWT uses this imperative form. Number one, Allah SWT says in Quran, La Allah wa And this ayah is actually referring to the angels, and the definition of the angels in Quran is that they never disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they never disobey Allah ta'ala whenever He issues a command to them, and they do wa yaf'aluna ma yu'manun, they do each and every single thing Allah ta'ala commands them to do. Down the path of the Sawf and Saluk, the Walayat of the Malaika is considered the greatest Qurb. And that means that why are there Malaika Muqarrabun, they are angels that are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for this reason, that whatever Amr and command Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them, the second He issues a command, they simply follow it. They do each and everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Therefore, it befits the Salik and the Seeker on this path to have the same attitude towards the Amr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They should view it as a personal hukum that is issued towards them. Then after this preface, then Allah, uh, Hazrat mentions the first hukum that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Qur'an, وَذْكُرْ إِسْمَ رَبِّكَ وَتَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا وَذْكُرْ إِسْمَ رَبِّكَ So وَذْكُرْ is also Sigal Amr, that you must make dhikr of the name of your Rabb, the name of our Rabb is Allah, to make dhikr of it, Isma Azam, Ism Jalala Allah, وَتَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا so what tabattal is also, sighay amr is also the command form. It means you must disconnect yourself from everything that is other than Allah SWT and connect yourself exclusively to Him. And it's precisely this actual second word tabattal that Hazrat Sahib is mentioning that is a sighay amr and Allah Ta'ala has commanded us to do so. So what does that mean? We learn from this that although first Allah Ta'ala issued the command to make dhikr, the purpose of dhikr is not to do any particular amount or 20 minutes, 50 minutes, 3 hours or do any particular numbers of Allah Taala's name. The whole maqsad and purpose of dhikr is tabattal, is actually to disconnect from ghairullah and to connect yourself exclusively from Allah Taala. So Hazrat was mentioning last year to Salikin that many of us are doing amal on the first Hukam in this ayah that we're doing muraqabah, so we're doing zikr of Allah's name, but we're not achieving tabattal. 
we are not able to disconnect ourselves from creation and we're not able to connect exclusively to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is the purpose of zikr to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we each and every one of us we have to ask ourselves that are we doing amal on this ayah of Quran have we fulfilled this amr this command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have we made our zikr in such a way that when we make the zikr of the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we're completely disconnected from everything or are we doing amal in the first part of the ayah that we are making the dhikr of the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but we are not disconnected from everything else. So what could ismadabbik wattabattal ilayhi tabdila? And this basically, you know, uh, what does this mean? Let me make it clear. Alhamdulillah, the real amal on Quran is learned by the mashayikh of tariqah. And unfortunately we have a lot of Muslims today who have fallen into this one grave mistake. And that is their relationship with Qur'an is just one of tajweed and tilawat and tarjama and tafsir. So they love to recite Qur'an in the style that the imams of Haramain recited. And they love to listen to Qur'an day and night the way the imams of Haramain recited. And they will come to Itikaf in Zambia. And instead of making muraqabah and taking advantage of the sobat of shaykh, they will continue to just do their tilawat the way the imams of haramain recited. And then another group will know the wordings. And they will translation. And they may even get the understanding, but they're not able to do amal on Qur'an. They don't have ahwal of Qur'an, kefiyat of Qur'an. They don't have the feelings of Qur'an al-Karim in their life. They're not able to do what tabattil ilayhi. They will recite it beautifully. They will translate it brilliantly. They will understand and explain its many tafasir brilliantly. But in their heart, do they have what tabattil ilayhi tabtila? That's what's missing in their life. That is something that one only gets from the mashayikh of deen. The mashayikh of deen, the mashayikh of tasawwuf, they're the real ustad of Qur'an because they bring and teach a person to amal of Qur'an. So with that prefatory comment of mine, this is what Hazrat goes on to say then for the next few pages about this ayah. First he makes it clear that tabattal is not a perpetual state that you must always be disconnected from humanity. And he quotes this very great wali who was one of the first awliyaullah that Hazrat learned from, Hazrat Babuji Ramatale, who was this great wali of Allah in the heartland of Punjab. And then he explained this ayah by saying that you must first disconnect from all of creation entirely. Second, connect to Allah Ta'ala exclusively. Third, reconnect to creation entirely, but entirely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala exclusively. And this is what the Mashaikh teach, is the way to do amal on this ayah. But that first step means that we have to be able to get that complete disconnect. And where is the litmus test, Hazrat writes, or Hazrat said, and is transcribed, where are you going to check that? In your ibadah. In your ibadah. And so Hazrat gave the example of a person's salah, that we can assess ourselves by looking at our salah, what are we thinking about in our salah? What is in our mind and in our heart in our salah? Is our mind and heart, yes, our body and tongue is disconnected from this world, but is our mind and heart disconnected from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our salah? And if it's not, and if we find that inside of ourselves, that even inside our salah, we remain connected with makhluk, and we're disconnected from khaliq, we're connected with thoughts of the dunya, thoughts of creation, or even sometimes sinful thoughts, immoral thoughts, lewd thoughts, crude thoughts, terrific thoughts, terrorizing thoughts, then it means that we have not done amal on this ayah. 
And then Hazrat asked the question last year, does anyone want of us to and does any one of us want to leave this world and show up on the day of judgment such that in our entire life we were never able to disconnect from creation and connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that in our entire life we were never able to do amal on this ayah of Quran al-Karim. So this is what the path of the Sof and Saluk teaches, how to do amal on this ayah, feel this ayah, live this ayah, breathe this ayah, be the living embodiment of this ayah. Then as he continues to say, that this is another word that our Mashaikh have used for this, is inqita. Inqita means to sever yourself, to sever all awareness, consciousness, outward and outward ties, inward awareness and consciousness from Ghairullah. And he says, this is not something that is easy to do. This is very difficult to do. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to take time, it's going to take effort, it's going to take sacrifice. And the example that the Hazrat gives from another ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Qur'an, in Surah Al-Ahzab, is addressing the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen, Azwaj al-Muttaharat. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Ummahat al-Mu'mineen, which means the greatest women ever to have walked the face of this earth, the greatest women in the history of humanity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses them in Qur'an and says, وَلَا تَقْضَعْنَا بِالْقَوْلِ That you should not be mm, soft in your speech, you should not be sweet in your speech. Why? فَيَتْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ Because that person who has an illness in their heart, a marad in their heart, they will have tama for you, they will have an attraction towards you, they will have a curiosity towards you, they will have a greed towards you. Now who are those alladhi who could have been interacting with Ummahat al-Mu'maneen? Those were sahaba ikram. So the best men after the Anbiya to walk the face of this earth. So what Hazrat was saying, that in Kita, it's so difficult to be disconnected entirely from this attraction towards creation. So much so that Allah Ta'ala had to send these ayat down in Qur'an al-Kareem for Ummahat al-Mu'mineen and Sahaba al-Kram radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. And certainly, alhamdulillah, because all of Sahaba and all of Sahabiyat were kamil amil of Qur'an, were absolutely perfectly doing amal on Qur'an, had every single halat and hali Qur'ani inside of them, we can never imagine even the remote possibility that any such thing ever happened. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even did tarbiyah and tazkiyah of sahaba and sahabiyat in Qur'an, and that is the same way we are going to have to learn our own tarbiyah and tazkiyah. Then what Hazrat took from this was that the Qur'an makes it clear that the tama. The tama that a person has, tama means in Urdu they say lalaj, it's another Arabic word as hirs, that your attraction, curiosity, desire, insatiable desire to see that person, hear that person, be with that person. This is a word Allah Ta'ala used in Quran for a feeling that we have for the opposite gender, tama. Then how did he point it out, the nukta in Quran, that who has this tama, alladhi fi kalbihi marad, means they first have a sickness in their heart, because of that sickness in their heart they feel that attraction. So if we want to lose the attraction and tama that we have for creation in this world, then we have to lose that sickness that we have in our heart. 
and until and unless we cure that marad in our kalb, we will always keep feeling that tama from makhluk. Until we cure that spiritual disease in our spiritual heart, we will always feel that lustful, curious, desiring attraction for members of the opposite gender. And so what is the way to cure that marad? That is called dhikrullah. That is called kathrat dhikr. That is another amr Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amunuzkurullaha dhikran kathira. So it means that this path of the sawaf al-suluk is ain Qur'an, is exactly Qur'an. And until and unless we make this dhikr kathir, we will not be able to lose this marad. Until we lose this marad, we will always have tama and yearning for creation. As long as we have that tama, we will never have that tabatta, we will never have that disconnect from creation. So we will be mahroom of all of these words in Qur'an, and each and every single such word that we mention in Qur'an is a amr, is a hukam of Allah SWT. So it means that we, to, in order to be serious about deen, serious about Qur'an, we have to put ourselves in the training of the mashayikh. Then the second ayah that Allah, uh, that Hazard, Allah SWT has mentioned in Qur'an, the second one that Hazrat is using in the series last night, second amr, وَلَا تَكُمْ مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ So this is a negative command known as a nahi, or a Prohibition, but it's also the same thing as a command form. It means Allah that don't you ever at all let yourself be amongst the people who are heedless, negligent, careless about their zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, careless about their deen. And then again here similarly, Hazri asked the same question that we should ask ourselves that do we do amal on this ayah? Are we 100% doing amal on this that means that we are never ghafil? And if we look on ourselves, we'll find so many times we're ghafil. I mean, so many times we're not following this ayah. Allah Ta'ala says, don't be ghafil. And we look at ourselves when we find a vast majority of the time we are ghafil. Again, we are ghafil in our salah, ghafil in our ibadah. Then outside of ibadah, the majority of the day, our heart is empty of the zikr of Allah Subhanahu and that's what Hazi was mentioning last night, that our mind is constantly having thoughts of sin or zina, our heart is having thoughts of hirs or love for the dunya. means we're ghafil anillah. We're empty in heedless of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is another ayah that we're not practicing. And yes, people do talawat of this, and they can do tarjumah of it, they can do tafsir of it, but who's going to teach us how to live this? Who's going to take us out from the ghafilin? This is the work of the mashayikh. This is the path of the sawf and suluk. And if we don't have that zikr of Allah subhanahu in our heart and we have ghafla, it means that our heart is full up of dunya and makhluk. And then Hazrat said a very special nugget sentence, which I'll say once in Urdu, then I'll translate it. He said that, Adme ghaflat abdiyat kapela kadame. Adme ghaflat abdiyat kapela kadame. What does it mean? Abdiyat ubudiyya in Arabic means to be the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first step in being the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is emptying your heart from ghaflat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because have you ever seen a slave who is careless about their master? A slave who is negligent of their master's commands? You couldn't even call somebody who is ghafil, who is negligent and careless and heedless and absent-minded to their master. You couldn't call such a person a slave of a master. In order to even be eligible to be considered as a slave, that person has to be completely focused and aware and always aware on their master. So this is what the Mashaikh have said that Adme Ghaflat Abdiyat Kapala Kadame that we have to have a complete absence of ghafla. 
no heedlessness, no absent-mindedness, no forgetfulness. And that is the first step that we take to becoming the abd and to becoming the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then again, comes the same question, right? This what, when will we get this? Also Quran, وَمَا خُلُقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لَيَعْبُدُونَ Allah says we have not created jinn and humanity except for this ubudiyya, except for this slavehood. So who is going to teach us how to do amal on this ayah, these ayat of Qur'an? The mashayikh of the sof are the ones who themselves are living emblems and symbols of how to live Qur'an al-Kareem. And the people who keep their company, their life also becomes according to these feelings of Qur'an. Then as he mentioned uh, a riwayah uh, which mentions that the kalb, <coughs> kalb Abdullah arshullah, or you can also say Kalbul Mu'min Arshullah. They also say Kalbul Mu'min Baitullah. Means the heart of a believer and the heart of the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Allah ta'ala's eyes is like the home of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Hazrat mentioned that whenever there is a house, it's not the job of the owner of the house to keep it clean. It's the job of the resident in the house to keep it clean. So our qalb is resident inside of us. It was our duty to keep our heart clean. And obviously that means keeping it clean of these two things, marad, spiritual illnesses and disease, and number two, ghaflat, to keep our heart pure and free and clean from ghafla of being heedless of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Hazrat Yazi many times gives this example that we clean our physical homes every day. And we have so many different types of cleaners and sprays and powders and brushes and mops and scrubs for that. But why is it that we don't clean the home of Allah subhanahu which is our spiritual heart? And then Hazrat <coughs> mentioned then that the way to clean that heart is again the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he quoted another ayah of Qur'an al-Kareem, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَقَوْءُ إِذَا مَسَّهُمْ طَائِفٌ مُّنَ الشَّيْطَانِ That indeed the people who have taqwa, who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who are conscious of Him, if a ta'if, if a group from shaitan, means a number of shayateen, masa literally means touch, but it means they afflict them, they entrap them, they ensnare them, then what do the people of taqwa do? تُذَكِّرُوا They make the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They Remind themselves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِذَاهُمْ مُبْسِرُونَ إِذَا means all of a sudden, immediately. مُبْسِرُونَ They're بَسِيرَةً Immediately they're able to perceive the whisperings of shaitan. The second they do the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala is saying in Quran, instantly they're able to perceive the waswasa and traps and snares of shaitan and are able to save themselves from that. So it means that a third reason, in addition to our marad and our ghafla, a third problem that we had in keeping our kalb clean was shaitan. And shaitan's waswasa is the third thing that pollutes our heart. So again we find that for the third of all three, the cure for it is the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more and more zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we do, the less uh, we will be instantly and completely cured of the whisperings of shaitan. So that means that we have to do so much zikr that we can keep shaitan away. This was the first section that Hazrat mentioned in that first talk last night. Second section, Hazrat explained another concept. Uh, again, and actually all of this is still a prefatory comments, and this is about yaqeen. So in our deen, yaqeen means certainty. 
and our ulama and muhaddithin, mashayikh have mentioned there's three levels of yaqeen. Number one is called ilmul yaqeen. Number two is called aynul yaqeen. And number three is called haqqul yaqeen. In English, if you were to translate it, ilmul yaqeen would be to know something with certainty. To have certain knowledge about something. Aynul yaqeen would be to witness something with such clarity that you have certain conviction about what you're seeing. And haqqul yaqeen means experiential certainty. To experience something, first-hand experience, that due to your experience of it, you are certain. And Hazrat often gives this, and he gave last year as well, the example to illustrate these three concepts that imagine that if it's a very chilly winter and you come home freezing from the cold and you're shivering and your wife, when she sees you, she says, okay, I'm going to bring you a hot mug of tea. So when she says, I'm going to bring you a hot mug of tea, now you have ilm, ilmul yaqeen, that something hot is coming. Rather, more technically, you have ilmul yaqeen that the tea is hot. Right? Because if your knowledge is such that your knowledge tells you that tea is something that is hot. Then second, when she brings it to you after a few minutes and you see the steam coming out of the mug, when you see the steam with your eyes, now you have anal yaqeen that it is hot. You have witnessed through your mashahida, through your own eyesight and perception that it is hot. And then when you drink the tea, you bring it to your lips and you drink it, then you have haqqul yaqeen that it is hot, because now you have tasted and experienced its heat. So this is the example Hazrat gives to illustrate these three things. But in our deen, obviously not for tea, these three things are used for a person's iman. Many things, but here Hazrat is using it for a person's iman. And he said that ilmul yaqeen is the weakest of these three darajat. And our level of iman is on the weakest of these three. We only have ilmul yaqeen. And then again, Hazrat likened the same thing to Qur'an. Like I mentioned already enough times, that we have the ilm of Qur'an. We have yaqeen, that is kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we have maybe not witnessed its reality. And we have not experienced its haqiqat or its reality. So then here Hazrat gave the example spending time on iman and saying that don't you, Ajib, that don't you know that those people who are Muslim and leave the deen, whether they become agnostic or atheist or they are mu'min, but they leave practicing the deen, they become non-practicing believers or they leave faraiz or they leave this and leave that. He, Hazrat said that all of them had ilmul yaqeen. All of them had precisely that level of iman, which is known as ilmul yaqeen. So that means that if all the people who leave deen, or all the people who leave practice of deen, had an iman at the level of ilmul yaqeen, then if we want to do hifadah of our iman, if we want to safeguard and protect our iman, then we will have to move, as you said, one step per, well, at least one step further, and that is to anil yaqeen, because until we move from ilmul yaqeen to anil yaqeen, our iman remains in danger. And he gave the famous example of Imam al-Razi, who when he was about to die, Iblis came to him. And Iblis came to him and asked him, that, okay, can you prove that Allah SWT exists? And Imam Razi, because he was a great scholar of ilm and mantik and mujadala and munadar and dialectics and logic, so he gave an argument, a whole proof, burhan and hujja. Hmm? And then Ishaytan was able to refute it. And then Imam Razi gave a second one, and then Shaitan was able to refute it. Then he, Imam Razi, Rimullah Ta'ala, gave 100 arguments 
in the proof of the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Iblis was able to refute each and every single one and, and on that same basis of logic and dialectic and then after that then Imam al-Razi got worried and then he remembered his shaykh and he was thinking that you know my, my shaykh what would my shaykh do right and then it's mentioned in the books that his shaykh he, when he started, when he himself did ruju towards thinking about his shaykh, he heard almost like a voice and as if almost he saw the face of his shaykh telling him that no, your answer to be should be that no, I believe in Allah Ta'ala without any delil. I believe in the existence of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala without any rational, logical, dialectic proof whatsoever. And then when Imam Murazi said that, then Shaitan had no reply for that. Because <laughs> there's no reply for that, that's called yakin. Anything other than yakin can be pierced, but when a person has this yakin, then their iman is in hifaza. And this is a story often quoted uh, to show the importance of having this yakin in our belief with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then similarly there's a hadith that near the end of time, people will wake up in the morning. One of the alamat of qiyamah, signs of the end of time, is that a mu'min will wake up in the morning and before they go to sleep at night, they will have lost their iman. So what was the iman they had when they woke up in the morning? Ilmul yakin. Simply, yes, a knowledge or a belief in the knowledge that the knowledge of Qur'an is true. So this is why it's very important as we move closer and closer to the end of time that we should have more hifazat of our iman. And as you mentioned that all of the sahaba, each and every single sahaba, and all of the anbiya, ajmain, were on haqqul yakin. And Azad did inside the example of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa karamallahu waju that he once said that I have so much yakin that even if I were to see with my eyes Jannah and see with my eyes Jahannam, it would not actually increase me in my iman or amal at all. Means that my iman and amal are already at that level, right? So it meant that anal yakin can't increase me, seeing can't increase me, means I'm already past anal yakin, means I'm already on hakul yakin. So that person was on hakul yakin, having anal yakin will not increase him in any way. Then Hazrat mentioned another ayah of Quran al Kareem. Yes, and that is, Hazrat mentioned another point, but also from a verse of Quran, that we take a lot from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask a lot from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of ni'mah, in terms of blessings, in terms of barakah. What is it that Allah ta'ala wants from us on the day of judgment? So that, uh, before an eye, first a hadith, inna Allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum wa la ila amwalikum wa lakin yanzuru ila kulubikum wa a'malikum. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not look at your outward appearance nor at your wealth and property, but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at your spiritual hearts and your deeds. And then second, uh, 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 thing of an eye of Quran that on that day nothing will be able to benefit a person none of their sons none of their worldly relations none of their wealth their property only that person who brings to Allah subhanahu wa so means that what does Allah ta'ala want from us what we want from him is so many things what does Allah ta'ala want from us number one kalbun salim and then second then Allah ta'ala mentioned another eye which Hazrat recites that it will be said to Jahannam that are you full? And Jahannam will say, no, that is there any more? I want more for the fuel of my fire. 
Then Uzlifatil Jannatul Muttaqeen Ghayr Ba'id. And then Jannat will be drawn near to the Muttaqeen in a way that is near to them. هَذَا مَا تُوْأَدُونَ لِكُلِّ حَفِيظ That this is indeed what was promised to each and every penitent guarding searcher for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is that person? مَنْ خَشْيَ الرَّحْمَانَ بِالْغَيْبِ Who feared Ar-Rahman, All-Merciful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, unseen. وَجَاءَ بِكَلْبٍ مُنِيبٍ And who brought to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a yearning and penitent kalb. So the second word that we have here in this ayah is kalbun munib. So kalbun salim and kalbun munib, two places Allah ta'ala mentions in Qur'an, that what is it that He wants from us? So again, Hazri asked this question, that are we doing amal on Qur'an? Or do we, are we going to bring to Day of Judgment what Allah Ta'ala has said in Qur'an that He wants from us? And if we don't have the Kalbun Salim, we don't have the Kalbun Muneeb, then we have to work hard and join in that effort by which such a heart is produced. And that effort is nothing other than this path of zikr kathir and ittiba'i sunnah al-shariyat and sohbat al-shaykh, meaning the path of the sawuf and saluk. So then Hazrat said, and I'll just do a little bit more, and then we'll have to stop into the rest tomorrow morning, inshallah. That uh, one thing very important that we need to hear every year, uh, me and I'm sure many, if not all of us, need to hear this a lot, is that we need to be serious. And getting this Qalbi Salim and Qalbi Munib is not going to be a part-time, half-baked effort, but it has to be something we have to do extremely seriously. And the way Hazrat explained this was he said we have to have ihsas. And he mentioned a long story last year, which I'll just very briefly summarize to explain to us what Ahsas was. It was one of those many stories that come out of partition when South Asia, India, Mughal India was split into two. And so there was a person, very briefly, there was an old man and there was a young man who was building a house and seemed to be a very rich young man. And the old man went to him and said, I'm an old man, why don't you keep me as your chokidar, which means your watchman, and I will simply sit here and I will watch over all the building material that nobody steals the bricks or the cement or anything else, and I will have a place to lie down, and you, whatever food you give me, I will eat, that's it. I don't ask for any wages, I just ask for a place to lie down and some food to eat. So the young man kept him. But because he was a very old man, Every now and then he wasn't able to be extremely diligent in his duty. Sometimes something would go missing and the young man would keep getting upset. And then one day when this happened, then the young man got so upset that he took the few small belongings, one or two articles of clothing, the, young, the old man wrapped it up and threw it and said, I fire you and go. You are not capable of doing this. I will find someone better than you. And then the old man started crying and he said, young man, actually I wasn't always like this. This is Allah Ta'ala's kismat muqaddir that He made me like this. I actually belong to a very wealthy family in India, but when it came the time of partition and I migrated to Pakistan, our caravan was attacked by Sikhs and almost everyone in our family was killed. I escaped and my sister escaped, but my sister and I went different ways and I was never able to find my sister after that. And my whole life I've lived the life of a poor person. And then... This young man asked him, what was the name of your sister? And then when he said the name of the sister, he realized that that was my mother. And he said that my mother, who, mashallah, is very well off, throughout my life she has always told me that, oh son, you have an uncle, a mamu, a maternal uncle. I had a brother, I don't know where he is, and I always wonder about him. And then this young man fell at the feet of his uncle. And he grabbed his feet and said, Oh, my beloved uncle, all my life, I my, and my mother have been searching for you and waiting for you. This is your home that I will build for you. 
And then Hazrat gave this example to show how much the young man changed. Before he had ihsas, that man meant nothing to him. And he was willing to throw that man out on the street. And once he had ihsas, that man meant everything to him. He was falling on his feet and begging him for forgiveness. So then Hazrat used this story to mention to us salikin that we have to have ahsas about our kalb. We should be willing to sacrifice everything to get this kalbun salim, to get this kalbun manib, to take out the marla, to take out the tama, to take out the ghafla, to protect ourselves from shaitan until we get such a change in our attitude. Like that young man had a change in our attitude. Until we get such a big change in our attitude, we won't be able to succeed on this path because years have passed away corrupting our kalb and those years of corruption will not be undone by minutes of zikr. Ten minutes of zikr and Hazrat says that even the people who do it, first of all many people don't do it, even muraqaba, even those who do muraqaba do it for such a little time that it will not be able to cure them. All of that is only because they don't have asas. But if we can get asas about all of these eyes that were mentioned that and do and asas and the amr and commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Mudkur isma rabbik wa tabatil ilayhi tabtila wa la takum min al-ghafilin ya ayyuhal nadhina amanudkurullah hadhikrin kathira. If we can have asas of kalbun salim, kalbun manim of all of these things, then inshallah while we're here, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bless us with this opportunity to come here. We have to beg that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with asas and bless us with the ability to strive in this path. So may Allah ta'ala accept each and every one of us to strive and work hard in these 10 days as everyone is telling us and we are telling ourselves over and over again and we were probably each and everyone is telling ourselves this on our way here and we told ourselves this for so many months before coming but it should not be that when we finally arrive we become lax we become lazy we don't work hard right so inshallah we make dua for ourselves and for all of us and for all of you and we ask all of you to make dua for yourself and all of us that Allah Ta'ala give us ihsas and we get the real sensitivity and feeling in this few days that this Qur'an al-Kareem and these ahwal of Qur'an and the way of our mashayikh should become the be-all and end-all of our life, should become everything to us, and we should be willing to sacrifice anything and everything in the world and all that it contains to become this Abdul Munib and to bring to Allah subhanahu wa this Qalbun Salim. Allah <laughs> Ta'ala